0: God is good, I'm glad you are here. What do you believe?
1: Everybody needs something to see, something to feel, and something to fear. Everybody needs something to prove something in hand to know the truth.
0: Man, What do you believe? That is the name of the show. Welcome. I am Joe Rossick, the pastor of a great church here in Chicago. We have a room full of people here tonight. Thank you all for coming and all those that come to the pre-show. It is so great to have you here, man. God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. And if you believe it, can I get an oh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Come on. God is good. Hey, we are going to have a great show tonight. Tonight's show, come on, somebody say it. Oh, oh yeah. You know you want to do it. Oh, Oh yeah, we're going to have fun too. And tonight's show is going to be open uh, phone call, discussion, debate. If you don't agree, you can call us up on Skype or type out your question on the chat line. And uh, tonight's subject is going to be, is the Christian Bible accurate? That's the question tonight we want to answer. A lot of people say to me when I read them the Bible, they say, Joe, that was a book written by man. How do you know that that's the real Bible? How do you know that Jesus actually said that? Well, that's the question we're going to answer right now. We're going to answer whether or not we can know for sure if these writers wrote these books and if this book called the Bible, especially the New Testament, has made it to us today. Has the teachings of Jesus made their way to us today? So let's get into that subject. Is the Bible accurate? And uh, we just ask you right now if you can, you know, if you want to chat and everything, that's cool, but just kind of stay on focus. We don't want you to distract people. Kind of ask questions even while I'm chatting or chat about the subject tonight and the subject is, is the Bible accurate? So let me start you off right here with this question, is the Bible the word of God? Now if you're just looking up at your your screen here, you should be able to see the things that I'm going to be giving you right now. So I'm just going to make sure that I can see it as well and you can see it and that way you can stick along with me today. Is the Bible the Word of God? Okay? So here are the three questions that we ought to ask ourselves as we're getting into. Is the Bible the Word of God? These are the three questions we want to ask ourselves. Is the Bible just a book written by men? Number two, how do we know we have the original writings? And number three, whose interpretation is right? So this is what we're talking about today. Is the Bible the Word of God? Three important questions. Is it a book just written by men? Do we know that we have the original writings? And whose interpretation is right? So I want to start with that first question is, is it divine? Can we see anything of it that is divine? Or or is it just like every other writing that men write? Like, is it like Shakespeare? Is it like all these other books that we have? Should it just go in our library next to all the other books? Or is it different? Here's what makes it different, I believe. Number one, how I see the Bible, and many people do, that it's just just not a book written by men, is its unity. Think about this. It's 66 books written by 40 authors over a 1,500-year period. That's 1,500 years on three different continents with three different languages through many cultures discussing hundreds of subjects, yet there's not one contradiction imagine if you just got 20 atheists together and asked them what they thought about abortion or asked them what they thought about the war in Iraq, these big issues they would all contradict each other and come up with different answers but do you know that Daniel describes God the same way that Peter describes God in the New Testament? Do you know that the book of Genesis correlates exactly with what's talked about in the book of Jude? Do you know that there's no contradiction in hundreds and literally thousands of subjects they talk about the big ones, they talk about God. They talk about politics. They talk about uh, religion. A, you know, it's a book written about this God, and yet they never contradict each other. So right there, the unity that we have in this book shows me that it couldn't have been just men getting together. There's no other book like that. Here, let's take a look at another thing. Another thing that makes this book different than things written by men is its scientific accuracy. This book was written in a time of antiquity. That means it was written, you know, 1, thousand fifteen hundred years B.C., before we understood what caused earthquakes, before people understood what made it rain and different things. And yet the Bible, when it discusses the things of nature, when it discusses the world around us, It does it with accuracy. Think of it this way. We're discussing the Bible 2,000 years from from A.D. and 4,000 years from B.C. from when it was first written. So basically, it's been around 6,000 years. We're sitting here discussing it, and scientists still believe it. Isn't that amazing? It talks about creation and origins. Even if you say, I believe in evolution, which I don't, evolution could not even disprove the Bible because the way the origin of life starts in the Bible with, you know, light and then land, I mean, water and land and then small creatures and then big creatures and what's the last creature that's made? It's man. So you can just see it's scientifically accurate. In the book of Psalms, it talks about the circumference of the earth. There are so many things and claims in the Bible that could not have been accurate unless God himself was speaking through men because if you read Greek mythology and other writings of that time of Hinduism like Hinduism believes the earth came from a lotus plant now does that sound accurate to you? but this Bible is different so there's unity it has scientific accuracy we've never disproven uh, the Bible's never been disproven by any of the facts we find because it never makes claims that are not true when it talks about a world it does talk about dinosaurs and many different things I'll move on to the next one Here's another reason why I believe that the Bible couldn't have just been written by men. This reason right here is called um, the predictive prophecy. You know that the Bible predicts prophecy. Now ask yourself this question. If there was a God, and He was speaking to people, and they were writing this down, I know it's a lot of ifs, if you don't believe the Bible, wouldn't He be able, or the God be able to tell the future? Wouldn't that just be something God could do? And I want you to think about, how God did that in the Old Testament. If you haven't really studied all of the predictive prophecies, you really haven't yet got given the Bible a chance to speak to you yet. It talks about the captivity of Israel. Do you know if you just study the prophecies pertaining to Israel you would be blown away to see a man couldn't have wrote that. Do you know that there are nations like the Hittite nation the Canaanite nation that do not even exist anymore and the Bible talked about that but the Bible said the Israelite nation would exist even without its own country even without a land to call home the people of Israel would not be swooped up into other nations and and be integrated and, and, uh, and lose their nationality. The Bible said they would keep it. They're the only race to keep their racial identity without a country for over 1,800 years. And the Bible says they would get back their homeland. They did. The Bible talks about the conflicts of the Middle East. What do you see now? Do you think it's any coincidence that Muslims are fighting in the Middle East against Jews? This was all predicted in the Old Testament. Some of these prophecies go back, as I said, 2,000 B.C., so that would be 4,000 years ago. So one more time. Is the Bible just written by men? I don't believe so. Why? Because of its unity? Number one, because of its unity. Number two, because of, number one, because of its unity. Number two, because of the, um, because of its scientific accuracy. And number three, because of its predictive prophecy. So the Bible, in my opinion, and if you really study into this, like others have, you would see it couldn't have been just written by men. And let me just say this to you. everyone, just look up at me here for a second. Let me just say this. C.S. Lewis wrote Books on mythology that were awesome. He studied mythology at Oxford. This is what he said: If you reduce the Bible down to just being a work of mythology, he wants to know how many have you actually read. He said because of all the myths I've read and the great friends I have, you know, that are part of the Inkling Club, you know, like J.R.R. Tolkien, who wrote the, you know, the uh, Lord of the Rings. He says none of these works compare to the Bible, and I've studied them my whole life. You see, if you really study the Bible, look at what it says and what it's doing, you'll see the unity you'll see the scientific accuracy and you'll see the predictive prophecy that makes it more than just a book written by men okay now let's move on to our next point let's say that it is a book that uh is divine or at least has good things for us to believe how do we know that what they wrote actually makes it to us today how do we know that it's actually accurate for us today. How do we know we have the original writings? Well, let me just put this, this up on the screen right here. What the original writings are called, or rather the study of the original writings, it's called contextual criticism. So, criticism we sometimes take as Christians to be a bad thing. It's like, like somebody's putting it down. Like they don't like it. That doesn't necessarily mean that. You see, you could be a Christian and still be a contextual critic of the Bible. What you do is you study the original manuscripts or the man- manuscripts that have been handed down from the originals, and you try to put together what that book is saying. And that's called contextual criticism. So actually many Christians, and we have to have Christians here so that we understand the Bible. So this is a Christian field as well. Now recently we've been hearing in the media and through different uh, people that we don't have the actual Bible. But I want to tell you something, that is not true. I could put up many theologians and many contextual critics who spent their whole lifetime studying the Bible, and they were convinced of it, that we still have the original writings. And many of them started off as atheists and became Christians. Let me give you an example of how we would know if we have the original writings of the Bible. Everyone look at this that I put on the screen right here. Well, What I'm putting on the screen right here is what's known as a chart of original text. Now, if you can't see this the way it is, go to the top right-hand part of my screen and click on Zoom, and you should be able to see this a lot better. Okay, So I'm looking at it in Zoom mode as well. When people look at works of antiquity, this is just not for the Bible. This is for the history of Rome. Anything that wasn't preserved in a way that could last more than a few hundred years... You have to look at it in the science of contextual criticism and archaeology. And this is a chart showing you how these men, uh, these archaeologists, how these students of antiquity put together texts that are thousands of years old. This is what they do. Homer wrote Homer's Iliad and the Odyssey well they believe that was written around 800 bc but when's when what what's the earliest copy they have of that because it was written on papyrus probably you know it's written on these weak materials that would would uh, go away i mean uh, evaporate and uh, be destroyed over time and some of them would would burn if there was a fire so the earliest copy they have of of, of homer's iliad and the odyssey is 400 bc So the time gap from when they believe Homer actually wrote it to the piece or the fragment of of what they have now to be the earliest copy is 400-year time frame. Now, those copies of copies of copies would be uh, handed down through different people. They would go to different parts of the country. And so what archaeologists do is they find all of the copies. Now, how many copies did they have of Homer's Iliad and the Odyssey? 643 copies. And what's the time gap between the copies that they have and the original? It's 400 years. Now, everybody follow me here. This is not talking about divinity. This is not talking about whether or not Jesus walked on the water. All we're doing is talking about, do we have writings from people named Peter, James, and John, and Paul? Do we have their writings as they wrote it at that time? We'll go all the way down to the New Testament, because I don't have enough time to make the comparison as much as we could here right now, but this chart shows you the best works of antiquity, but yet look what the Bible is in comparison. Now, friends, this is a fact. This is not like opinion. This is not like a faith thing. I don't take this by faith. This is a fact. This is either two plus two is four or it's five, okay? It's either you're right or you're wrong. Here is the truth. The New Testament was written at 50 AD to about 100 AD, the book of John, around. 90 a.d. was the last book uh, uh, rather the book of revelations written by john was the last book around 90 a.d. and look how many fragments they have and 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 pieces of the new testament they have 5366 texts from the new testament and the oldest is only 50, uh, the, the best one, the one closest to the original, only has a 50 year time gap. That means that within, it's probably only one copy of a copy. Now, some of the older ones are 225 years in that time gap, but still, the only one that even comes close to that is Homer's Iliad and the Odyssey with a 400-year time gap. The Bible is still almost less than half of that, and yet Homer's Iliad and the Odyssey only has 600 and some copies, but the Bible has over 5,300 copies. Now, what you talking about? Hello, somebody. Is the Bible the Bible of that time? Absolutely, 100% yes. Now. If you don't think the Bible has been transmitted accurately through these texts in this short time period, if you just say, I don't believe it could have made it, then I just want you to look up at me here real quick, because I want to look you in the eye. I want you to see me. If you believe the Bible couldn't have been accurately brought from the time of 100 A.D. to 150 A.D., our earliest copy, accurately, I want to tell you something. Then there is not one work or book of antiquity, you will ever be able to read and say, that was written by the person it was claimed to be written by. Not one. So now, if you throw out the Bible with the best record of texts and of archaeological finds and the closest time frame, you have now have to throw out every work of antiquity and I'll put it back up here. Guess what's one you, one of the ones you have to throw out? You have to throw out the history of Rome. The history of Rome has less verification than the verifiable Bible. I want you to think about that. If you know anything today about the history of Rome, were you there? No, I wasn't either. It's because of written material by Livy and by Tacitus and by Pliny. And if you say I don't receive the Bible, then you don't know Jack Diddley about the time of the Romans, and then you would be ambiguous about everything. So if you can at least trust the history of Rome is somewhat accurate, not necessarily what they wrote was true, but just accurate to what they wrote at that time then you absolutely 100 percent, listen to me can trust that the bible is accurate to what they wrote at that time so i'm not going to bore you with more things here hopefully some of you weren't bored that that blessed you amen and uh hopefully now you have some uh some ammunition christians to work with if you guys need um some information on these things, all you have to do is simply go to my website and email me, and I will get that back to you as as soon as I can with with, uh, links to everything I'm putting up here, because I did not just make this up. This is the Verifiable Bible of Antiquity. So right now, if you have any questions, I want you to put them on up, and I want you to ask me some questions, and I'm going to get my friends back on Skype here. Here's my man from Rational Response Squad. We're giving him a call with Christian Hill. Billy,
1: Hello?
0: My brother, are you with us?
1: Yeah, we're here
0: Okay, my brother, you ready to have some fun?
2: Absolutely. Come on, this is let's for you, Rich. Ready, this is for you. Get ready, let's get ready to rumble. Can you hear me all
0: right? I can hear you, brother. This is for you, baby. You don't need a for that. You need Does that get you hype, yeah. Rich? Are you ready, yep. dude? I hear it. Are you ready, my brother?
1: Yep, I'm ready.
0: Okay, well, I'll give you a brief introduction of what we talked about. Uh, then you can go from there, and we'll just take it from there. What we talked about today was uh, the accuracy of the Bible and how it was transmitted uh through uh the papyrus and the different ways of antiquity that they uh preserved uh their writings and then we showed how it made it to today and we talked about uh this chart and I'll put this chart up here real quick for you of uh, of uh, works of antiquity and and how they uh, are preserved through copies of copies and basically what we were saying was if the Bible is thrown out if you zoom in there you can see it really good uh, and I'm zooming in as well yeah. if if you see how we have only uh, our latest time period is 225 years of gap from the original writing to when we have our uh, latest manuscripts but our earliest manuscripts are dated 50 years from that date we have over 5000 of them and yet Homer in the Iliad Livy T- Tacitus Pliny and etc have you know less Okay so, you know where we're at. Uh, yeah. It's go time. Can I
1: mention something about that really quickly? It's
0: go time. It's your time, baby.
1: <clears throat> okay, on whether or on the, well, not the Bible is accurate, you're um, kind of setting up a false claim here. It is true that we have over 5,000 manuscripts of the Greek texts. However, many of those texts are actually from the Byzantine period, 12th and 3rd century. As far as Alexandranian texts, that means back to about the 4th fourth, uh, fourth century, we have very few. The oldest being Sinaiticus and uh, Vaticanus.
0: That's actually now, wrong. It is true that we have 20,000 altogether. The ones you're talking about are not included. This is 5,000 of those time periods. The other uh, okay. 15,000 are hold from the th- Byzantine period, so that was incorrect. Well,
1: okay, well, hold on a second. The problem with the manuscripts, let's use the 5,000, let's say the 5,000 of that particular period that you want to talk about. The problem is none of them are the same. They're all, they all disagree with one another. There are no two that admire each other completely. They all have errors, they all have scribal some of them are insignificant, but they all have scribal errors in them. And you mentioned earlier some of the things like uh the Trinity you were talking about with the water thing. Um you know, I would the first verse I'd like to point out to you is first John chapter five, verse seven. Right? The Trinity verse. Are you familiar? Yes. Okay, so do you support that verse? It's in the KJV. You said you're using the KJV. Sure. Do you support that as being an accurate verse for the Bible? Sure, I do. Why?
0: Well, because... It's not
1: in Vaticanus. It's not in any Greek manuscript.
0: Well for the sake of people listening to us I want them to try to follow along but I mean I'll let you go in this vein but then I want to go back to like the very first thing you said so I'll give you uh 5 minutes till 45 after to lead me along and try to make some points because I do want to hear where you're coming from. Yes, I do believe in uh, okay. 1 John chapter 5 verse 9 even though it's it's missing in other
1: 7 at 9. Okay, seven.
0: sorry. Even though it's missing in uh, other uh text because if it's not from the original writing of John, and it's an addition to John. It's still an accurate uh, belief of the New Testament time period, and it's accurate to what they were teaching, and it wasn't... That's
1: not what I'm asking. That's not
0: what I'm asking okay. at all.
1: I'm asking whether you think that verse... I mean, there's other ways you can indirectly try to show the Trinity. I'm not arguing that. This particular verse, though, you said the, the Bible is valid, and there's no problems with it. I imagine you're an inerrancy above. Uh, sure. Or, or that kind of, you take that kind of stance. Yep. First 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. There's three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and these three are one. You know, you should know the problems with this verse. I mean, Michael Servetus was killed by John Calvin over this verse. This verse has caused many, many problems. When uh, Desiderius Erasmus translated, he made the uh, Editio print caps, the first Greek printed edition, He left it out of his first edition, and the church was mad at him for doing so. But he said, hey, it's not in there. And he was using 13th century manuscripts, 12th and 13th century uh, late Greek manuscripts to do his translations. That's why the KJV is so terrible. But it's not in there originally. They made him a – he said, you know what? If you can find me a Greek manuscript that uh, has this verse in it, I'll put it back. And what did they do? They actually made him a manuscript. That's why if you look at many Bibles, it'll say – does not appear in any Greek manuscripts prior to the 16th century.
0: And I agree they're with you just being dishonest I agree with you, uh, what he 's bringing up those in the room, and a lot of times we just try to simplify it because he went to a lot of big words with the Byzantine and all of this. These are just the names of these uh, these texts and and there is uh, some verses in the Bible, this verse first uh, John five seven then a portion of I believe it 's uh, John chapter eight or six i can 't remember off top with, with... John
1: seven fifty three through eight eleven
0: yeah, thank you, and also mark sixteen that are not accurate. Uh, or I shouldn't say not accurate, but they're not supported uh, by the uh, original manuscripts that we have. But they're still in the Bible because copies of copies. We don't copies,
1: have original manuscripts.
0: Yeah, um, but the copies that we have that are in this time period, the five thousand that I'm talking about, those original texts, right, right. Th- those original copies. What I'm saying, the ones that we have. Okay, there's those. But we don't
1: have original manuscripts.
0: I know. I keep saying the word original, and, I, and it, you, you are right to call me on it. So the copies of the copies, those five thousand. Do well, not contain. The copies of
1: the copies of the copies of the copies of the copies of the copies. Okay, now you're just yeah.
0: going to keep interrupting me to not make any sense because at, in 50... Oh, well, in 50 A.D., we have the first uh, p- uh, parchment, uh, uh, first text.
1: Tell my Chester Beatty? Uh,
0: I don't know them by name, and it's impressive that you Chester do.
1: Chester Beatty Papyri or P24?
0: You know what, my friend? I, I really don't know. Let me just say this about you because last time we talked, Rook brought up a point, and I think it referred to you as well. Uh, am I willing to admit that you guys know a lot more than I do in certain areas? Sure. But are you willing to admit that, that I know more in other areas? If you're not, that's okay. I don't need to. I'm sure. I'm okay. Sure you do. Yeah, and I don't need that. I mean, I don't need that to, to still dialogue with you. But that is impressive. You can name the manuscripts. That is very impressive. Okay.
1: Well, I read the manuscripts.
0: Beautiful. And uh, that's wonderful. I'm, I have uh, one here. You want to see one? Do uh, you have an actual one or a copy of one?
1: No, I have an actual 16th century manuscript. It's a late manuscript, but... Beautiful. Right here.
0: Beautiful.
1: This came out of a, uh, a synagogue in Morocco that the Muslims burned down, so they unthreaded the Torah and sold them off. Each vellum sheet off individually.
0: That is amazing, dude. All right, well, we'll have to talk about that another time. But but the the first ones that we have in 50 A.D., brother, I mean, that's not copies of copies. I mean, that's probably at the most one, two, two at the most. So anyways, why do we still accept it? First of all, I'm not a KJV-only guy. But uh, why do I accept that as a rule of faith? Because it's not contradictory to any other rule of faith. And, I, I you know, I think that that was wrong that Calvin did that. I didn't even know that story. Um, have you looked it up? No, I, mean, I, up, no I'm, I trust you. I'm not saying I disagree with that. I'm just saying that it doesn't take away from the rule of faith. And let's go back to the original thing you said. Let's go back to the, the 5,000 copies that we have right now. Would you agree that we know just as good, if not better of what the Bible was saying 2,000 years ago, as we do of any other work at that time. Has it been a well-preserved book, yes or no? Of course not. Not at all. You've got to be. Okay, do you think Homer was a well-preserved book?
1: No, Homer's not making claims. Uh, oh, okay. The so, supernatural God wrote it.
0: Okay, let me just make sure we go through this, because I'm not asking you to believe that God walked on water and that he parted the Red Sea. I'm right. just asking to see if you even just acknowledge how we acknowledge these, uh, these as facts. So you don't acknowledge that Pliny, Tacicus or any of these other guys of the history of Rome, Caesar and the Galactic Wars, none of these are accurate, then? The
1: G- Gaelic Wars? Gaelic Wars, sorry. Yeah, well, here's the thing with Caesar. Here's where you're going with this. Not argument said... You know and where I'm going. Just
0: answer the question, yes or no. Are, are any of these accurate?
1: Well, let me answer the question then. I want to answer the question.
0: I don't know why can't give um, you give a yes or a no. Well, here's the
1: argumentation. The argumentation is that we have a lot of ex- evidence for the Bible because we have over 5,000 parchments. Some of those that you mentioned are not complete verses. They're just little bitty, little bitty fragments. Um, and that's all we have. When it comes to Caesar, let's use Caesar since you specifically brought him up. okay. How do we know Caesar existed? What do we have for attestation that Caesar was a real person? If, you know, his documents are so late, like in the 900s, right? Okay. Um, mostly because they were burned and they are preserved, thankfully, by the Irish. But we don't need to have documentation for Caesar. We have attestation um, that he crossed the Rubicon from Cicero. We have uh, coinage. We have treaties being signed. We have other documents and uh, lots of archaeology. You have many things to attest of uh, Julius he's talking about on whether or not Julius Caesar was real. Sometimes people use this argument to say whether or not we can prove Julius Caesar walked I across mean, the Rubicon or not. So there's plenty of other evidence outside of uh, manuscripts. Where's all that extra evidence for Jesus?
0: Are you serious? Where's any extra
1: evidence for Jesus?
0: Tell me you're kidding me. Where is the extra evidence for Jesus? How about a, a culture of the Roman people coming to their knees and becoming a Christian nation? How about the very yeah, how fact? How long?
1: How long later after the fact? That's, that's it, after the fact. Yeah, but
0: three hundred. Okay, but immediately at this time, people believe in a resurrected Savior, laid down their life, and developed the Christian faith. They believed started, that
1: prior to Jesus. No, they didn't.
0: No, yeah, they didn't. Yeah. Let me hand it yeah, over yeah. to Christian Hillbilly. I want him, but before we hand it back over to Christian Hillbilly, I want everyone to zoom in on these charts, and I want you to hear what my friend just said, and I got people saying he's dancing around the question, and I know what it's like when you come into another room and everybody here believes no, we're I'm right. I'm not trying
1: to dance around any question. What you're trying to do is trap me by saying, that because you have 5,000 pieces of manuscripts from this particular time period, that somehow it's valid. Well, you're not taking into account all the rest of them that were burned by your same religion. Well, they burned most of the other attestation from other. What are you kidding me? Are you confusing
0: out? us with the Muslims or something? We didn't burn. Well, tell me, show me where we burned. Oh, really?
1: Theodosius, oh, Theodosius didn't go on a rampage and start burning everything. My friend, you're going to say that. My you're friend, that. show I'll me understand.
0: that. Show me that, and let me get back to you on that. Look no, no, no. yeah, it up. But these manuscripts are spread out over three continents. The ones that are in the five thousand. So these that that you're saying, first of all, they don't have many mistakes okay. and errors. I'll put up the percentage whoa, right whoa, now. Whoa, 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 you want whoa. me to put up the percentage whoa, of error that they have? Christian Hillbilly, Here, find the percentage of error, or, or take over the conversation, and, and the I'll find it. Okay.
1: you know who Bart Herman is? you know who is? Yes, yes, I do. Have you read his book? Uh
0: um, um, Misquoting Jesus? Right. No.
1: Well, he this is the way Bart Ehrman puts it I and mean, I hope you're not going to start uh, ad hominem him because he is a, a scholar in the field. He says that there are more that. This is a way you can put it to, this is an easy way to put it across. There are more errors between our manuscripts of the early Greek testaments than there are words in the New Testament that's how many problems there are with it. Oh my
0: God! I want I want you to debate a New Testament critic, my brother. I want you to debate Dr. James White because I'm getting all I'm going to do is quote back to like how you're quoting to me this guy. I'm going to quote to you some guys like F.F. Bruce right now, and I'm going to get their quotes so I can put them up here for everybody. But first of all, by asking you to acknowledge what's fact, this is uh, this doesn't take faith. I'm not asking you to, to ask to believe. I'm not asking you to believe that Jesus walked on water. I'm just asking you to believe that it's accurate and it's uh and it's manuscript. How
1: about whether or not he resurrected? How about whether or not Mark has a resurrection? It let's, doesn't.
0: Let's definitely get to that. Christian Hillbilly, I'm going to let you do a little bit while I get some quotes for him, because I want to help people that okay. are listening as well.
2: Not Christian. a problem. Not hey, a problem. Um, I apologize. I kind of missed out on some of the conversation. Uh, again, I've been waiting for my wife to call. Let me know that she landed safely in San Diego, California. I uh, just got that call, so I missed a part of what was being said. But um, uh, I am familiar with uh, parts of... Uh, uh... the different numbers associated with the new testament in that uh... the uh... the numbers of uh, percentage-wise that the new testament that we have today is uh... uh... within one percent of the new testament that was written back then and uh... that the the original autographer uh, basically we don't have the original documents but those copies are are uh, the variances between the, the manuscripts that we have versus what we have today uh, between, the differences between the manuscripts are basically grammatical errors uh, grammat- or spelling me, me errors. Me so it, it, doesn't me meet me to the, it doesn't touch the meat of the subject of what the Bible actually talks about.
1: So are there errors then? So you admit there are errors in the Bible then?
2: Errors? If you want to talk about grammatical errors, such as spelling errors and things like that, or punctuation errors? Well, yes, there are differences in the manuscripts, But I would not call them errors in the Bible.
0: You know see he won't admit he won't admit the first premise, and he wants us to jump to his second premise The first premise is is do we accurately have what they wrote and yes we do, and the fact that we have five thousand shows that we can point out the error that is the most validifying fact the validating fact of the Bible that no other book you? of antiquity has is that you can find what one in Africa is you find a text in Africa, you find one here in the Middle East and one in Asia and there and you put them together. And if there's an error, you spot them because the majority of the text rule out that error. That is what a textual critic does. And if you're not giving the Bible. I know about, cr-
1: I know about textual criticism. Yeah, but if you're not giving the Bible
0: credit. credit for doing just that, if you're not giving the hold Bible on, credit for doing that, I, I, think I, I think doubt you are I think anything Christ- of a textual critic, whether you read Greek hold or on, Hebrew. On. You have lost with, all respect, in my Christian opinion.
1: Said, hold on, what, what Christian Hilberley said is correct. Most of the errors in the Bible are insignificant a great deal of them are insignificant they are just you know all they prove is that people were just as bad as spellers and writers or copiers as we are today so we mean fi- minus copying you know before the copy machine or what have you the printing press so uh for that i'll concede that you're right most of the the errors are insignificant however there are a large number of errors which are problematic and they do change the reading of the text so you can't just wish it away, and it's all spelling Can you errors.
2: Point out one for me, please.
1: Okay, uh, one, one particular one. You want New Testament, Old Testament, or what do you want?
2: Either one, you pick.
1: Okay, how about the verse with um, Junia? Let me let me find it. I think it's in. Is it in Hebrew? The two apostles before Paul knew the Lord, uh, Junia, and it, it's been changed to Junius. but. Here.
0: You've got to be kidding me! A spelling,
2: and, and that's a problem. Why?
1: No, hold on. I'll give you tell you the why. I'll tell you the problem. Why? Have there's a would, big problem there. As you're is going that the for name that, Jun, Junia is a woman's name, so you'd have a female apostle before Paul. Before Paul was even an apostle, I mean, there's no one's doubting that. Early church had, I think, there were female leaders, were. Uh, although later attestation, like in uh, First Timothy and. First Corinthians, let's say, uh, you know, women can't be leaders of a church and women can't talk uh, in a church. There were no
2: female leaders of the church in the early church. Yes, now, were there, there female was. Teachers in this the is church? what I'm talking yes, about. Were Junia. Ju- there were, Junia. Were, were female teachers in the church, but not female leaders of the church. No. Now, if you'd like well, to you know, give me a she was an verse on that, I'd be happy to look at that. Sure. Brother, Junia, I,
1: was, changed. I, Junia yeah. was changed to Junius because they didn't like that a woman had, had any kind of authority. University.
0: First sure. of all, I actually agree. I agree with what um, um, Rich you're saying. I believe that that there were women co-laborers like that, so that's not my problem with that. Women
1: 167.
0: Yeah, I'm totally with. The, have you ever read anything by F. F. Bruce?
1: Yes, I have his, some of his stuff here. Didn't, didn't FF
0: Bruce speak forty different languages or understand forty different languages of uh, of, of his time and antiquity and all of that? I,
1: I, I don't know. I don't know how many languages. Because he's
0: the it. one that spent his time counting all these errors, and I'm trying to find the statistic that he gave. And uh, I well, know I know Bruce you,
1: Metzger put it at four hundred thousand errors in the Greek manuscripts.
0: Oh my gosh, dude! I wish I see. I can't find my quote right now of FF Bruce and the. Uh, what do you
1: think of Ruth Metzger?
0: I I think I
1: mean, that ben, Bruce I think, a Christian scholar.
0: I think that what you what you have given us is accurate information but inaccurate application. What we have just said is that there's 5,000 you see what I don't understand is how you keep jumping past the the one the one thing that 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 we're asking you to say and that you just jump past it and that is has it accurately 50%. found those errors? Has it accurately found those errors? Yes, it has. The manuscripts make together a perfect, congruent message. Are you telling me that the Bible itself is not, uh, the, those manuscripts are not self correcting? That we somehow don't know the truth? Why do you think we can put in a, okay. a, yes, a subject? Let me give you an example. Hold on, can I want to give ask, you an example. Will you admit that, though? We are the ones that put in our own Bible. The little footnote that says, not in the original Greek manuscript, we are self-correcting it. Muslims can't do well, that. Fine. So do you admit well, yeah, that it's accurately being handled? That.
1: Yes, I think I think most Christians, there's a lot of Christian scholars who are honest. I'm not trying to say that. I'm not saying that at all. Well, then
0: that's where I, I wanted think... you to stop at just for a second, and I wanted to ask how you feel about that i think we 're jumping past that too quick, and, and if you want to well, show
1: no, I give them credit. I read many Christian scholars by the way
0: okay, because if, if we 're just getting a hang up on where are the manuscripts disagreeing with each other we don 't even have to right. go there. We, we understand that manuscripts disagree with each other, but what Dr. James White, who annotates uh, translations of the Bible and helps translate them in is self a textual critic. He, what, what he teaches and what F.F. F. Bruce teaches and what many Christian scholars have always taught, and I'm sorry that Calvin taught this and then killed people, is that it's self-correcting. And that you study right. it to find it. And within that, not like some like uh, like uh, mystical within that, no, but within the writing but, of that, you find Joe, the truth.
1: Yes. But Joe, once it's self-correcting, shouldn't you go back and change the... Uh the commentary, or change the message. I mean,
0: if there's no, let him without sin cast the first stone, why don't you take it out of the Bible? Well, because that's the thing when it comes down to those passages that were put into those... um, Okay, well, first we're asking two questions, okay? The first one is, we are correcting and continually correct the grammatical errors, and as we learn more... And gather more documents. We continue to correct them, so it is a self-correcting. That's why the NIV and the New American Standard is so much accurate than the King James because the texts help us see that. Now, when you get to, do you the, have one of these? A nestle twenty-seven, brother? I can't read Greek, so I, I wouldn't have any use for that. I'm going to seminary in in the future, but you I would have. You no, have
1: use for this. It's, it's it's. I hope you're not just reading English versions, so are you? I
0: use English versions with the Strong's Concordance. Oh, come on. Well, my <laughs> well, Strong's only good for a KJV. No, they have them for each of them. You can get. The oh, okay. Apple, Scott That's and Hort for well, the, one, the only one I
1: have. The only one I have is the KJV. I'm sorry.
0: Well, it's, well, technically Strong's is only for KJV, but if you're asking, can you get the uh,
1: yeah.
0: the the the, uh, the Vines it's KJV as well. but yeah. uh, well, I have
1: an NRSV commentary also, yeah. our, our uh, concordance. But the, the NA27 is is beautiful because it points out. It gets rid of all the crap or it it's you know it sits through it when you're reading an english version you're 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 hinging on desiderius erasmus's um aditio Princeps when he used those two manuscripts from the byzantine 12th and 13th um and he used a lot of the latin vulgate for the parts that were missing It wasn't you didn't even have a complete manuscript like a revelations you yeah, had to use mostly the latin vulgate so i mean what are you saying there? I mean, you need to use the earliest the testimony right, right. you can find. Okay,
0: now listen. We're changing the subject just a little bit here, but let me go back to this. When uh, I'm going to answer your question and go back to what I'm trying to say. Um, when you're asking yeah. me, why does Joe do this? Because Joe does other things in life other than study Greek and Hebrew, and I don't believe that is a requirement for every Christian to understand the experience with God and live a Christian life. You don't have to do that, okay? Now, those that do. do, listen to me, my friend, those that do work with us. They teach us. We buy their books. And some of us go as far as you know, going that distance as well. But if that was what we had to be, we would be then like you, atheists, have some uh, educational elite club that they belong to and really live off of that. But that's not what we live off of as Christians is this elitism. We live off of the experience of God and the principles that go with it. And when this conversation is said and done, You've admitted that this Bible has been given to us accurately through the copies and is self-correcting, so I can trust that I'm getting the words of Jesus. And then number two, the words of Jesus are so stinking simple: love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If He only said that once, I can get that and follow that. Love your neighbor as yourself, and all these other principles, the foundations: one God, revealed in three persons. These are so fundamental that that these little passages are bringing up don't affect them one bit.
1: Where are you bringing the Trinity up in, in the Bible? Because where the Trinity is at?
0: Well, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 19. One name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.
1: Okay, and you know the problems associated with that as well.
0: But, but, brother, we're not talking about the Trinity. My example was the fundamental faiths of the doctrine. are taught. See, for me, if I were you, I would drop this argument. I would say, let's move on to things like that, because you're not going okay. to get any. Because you can't win. You just admit it. Uh,
1: yeah, you're, you're right, because you don't. You just keep changing the subject.
0: You won't be running
1: away from it. it. <laughs> <And> <laughs> you keep blaming me for
0: doing it. Christian, hillbilly, have I changed the subject, or am I staying on the same subject of the accuracy of the, were the New Testament? I talking about
1: specific verses, and you keep running off about the 5,000 manuscripts pieces of manuscript hold on what sense does it say a book is inspired if you don't even have an original manuscript by the way
0: hold on hold on you you say questions and then make statements and they say other questions
1: you're right that was the next question go ahead ahead.
0: i am staying on the subject of the bible being are you looking at look at the thing that goes across the subject title the subject tonight is the bible accurate brother that's my subject Have we not? Can we move past that point? Is there a
1: resurrection in Mark,
0: my friend? Yes. Where? Well, if we go back,
1: the Greek manuscripts.
0: Okay, Mark chapter. um,
1: Sixteen eight, where it ends. Where it ends. You know where the. But can I mention something really quickly? Yes, as as I find that
0: for you. Yes.
1: Okay, I think sixteen eight is the proper ending for Mark. Most a lot of scholars do. Sure. Um, firstly, because the Greek stops there. But secondly, because it works better for the story, Mark is written as a narrative for the reader. You know, it's it's for the reader to take the message out of there. One thing that's interesting in Mark, it's my favorite gospel, by the way. And by the way, I I I read the Bible almost every day, and I have great respect for its tradition and all that kind of stuff. Uh, maybe I come off harsh to sometimes when we're doing we're playing our games, or whatever. But you know, I respect the tradition, um, and all that. I mean, so I read it all the time and. Uh, so it's joy. Yeah. But Mark 16. Mark 16. Really quickly, um, the greatest thing about the gospel of Mark to me is that Jesus is constantly telling his constantly the apostles just don't get it. You know, he's telling them, "Don't tell anybody who I am, or keep it a secret." And what do they do? They go tell everybody, you know. Every time he tells them to keep it within, they let it out. They let it out. They let it out. And he's constantly getting on them saying, do you not understand? You don't understand? They don't never really get the message. I think it's interesting that at the end of the Gospel of of Mark, you have the first thing in there where someone actually says, you know, what does the, the man in the tomb say? Go and tell them, you know, tell them that he's gone ahead of you in the Galilee and, you know, go spread the message, whatever. And they are afraid and they tell absolutely nobody. They're afraid and they tell no one. So it's weird how here it is the first time you get the message to, okay, go tell them that they don't. Again, they did not get it. And again, they disobeyed him. So I think it's kind of a play on words and it it works better for the reader. Who's that message for? It's for the reader to look in it and to see, ah, You know, that kind of story in it. Um, Anyways, go ahead.
0: Well, I put that scripture up for you, and I want to make a quick statement to you as well, man. Uh, Rook asked a question. Are you willing to learn and research? Absolutely. If he's willing to give me that information about the worship of Elohim and El before Abraham, I will read it if he'll read Eternity in Their Heart. And same thing with you. I respect you. And you brought up a great point. You, You said about the guy who wrote, misquoting Truth, would I respect him? Absolutely. See, we don't do the bashing here. May our other Christians do. I hate that when that happens, especially when we talk about evolution. We talk about Behe and Dempster and Miller. All those guys are idiots. I and mean, then these guys like are college kids calling these guys idiots. And I'm like, come on, dude. I mean, you're so far out even doing that. Thank you for your respect. We can disagree. You can call it a fairy tale like, uh, like you know, I always like to say Peter Pan. But, dude, thanks for respecting at least the people who spent their life like F.F. Bruce. Right. Okay. Mark 9, verse 9. Uh, it is as accurate as any accurate text of Mark is. As they came down from the mountain, he charged them that they should tell no one what things had, they, they had seen till the Son of Man were risen from the dead. There is as simple of a definition of the resurrection from the dead in Whoa. Mark as you could that's ask. Not in Mark. That's Mark. That's Mark. That's Mark 9, verse 9.
1: Well, it ends at 16.8, though. That's the problem. No,
0: that's Mark 9, verse 9.
1: Oh, okay. I'm sorry. That's okay. Sit, I was like, where are you going with that?
0: Because when they tell the story, obviously it's already happened, so they interject right. within the story right. things that they now know. And that's something that they then knew. A lot of people... Then, like, you know,
1: so you admit then that the gospel is written for writers then. It's written, I'm sorry, it's written for those who are reading it. And it's not written to be personal attestation of first-hand accounts of exactly how things... It's not like someone followed Jesus around with a scribble pad and wrote down everything.
0: Absolutely, name. Absolutely, And But we would go one step further saying that these accounts... Are divinely guided, and that God is using them to teach something that, you know, will be for 2,000 years. But let's answer your question. Is that not a proof of the resurrection account in Mark? Would that not count for one? Would you agree that that counts for one?
1: No, it wouldn't, because it doesn't talk about the
0: resurrection. What do you mean it doesn't talk about? It says it right there. It says, Till the Son of Man were risen from the dead. That's um, what he said.
1: Mark 16, what? I mean, Mark
0: 9?
1: 9. 9. Let me get my I stuff just posted it in the room.
0: I posted well, it there. My, my own books Christian books. Hillbilly, I have to take a potty break. Everybody, it's good to see you all hanging out. Uh, this is gone a little bit later, so keep hanging out. i got to take a potty break. Christian Hillbilly, please continue, and I'll be right back. You got it. Mark 9, what was the verse again?
2: Mark chapter 9, verse 9. As they okay. descended the mountainside, he told them not to tell anyone what they had seen until he, the Son of Man, had risen from the dead. Mark 9, 9. Yep. yep. So even in Mark, there are references to the resurrection of Christ.
1: Well, that's not the resurrection. That's being risen from the dead. There's a difference between the terms there. Kamatha in the Greek is not the same as resurrection. Uh, when you're talking about something being risen again, or being risen, the spiritual resurrection of the body is different from a physical resurrection. This gets into another whole facet we can talk about now, whether or not um, initially Jesus was a physical resurrected thing or a spiritual one.
2: Well, Jesus' he, resurrection like, is a bodily resurrection. I don't know where you're going with the spiritual resurrection.
1: Well not, in, well, not in Mark is the point. Not in Mark. Definitely in the other Gospels. I agree with you. But not in Mark. This is why it's hard, because you need to, you have to read the Greek to understand the difference between these two. There is a uh, you don't
2: have them. to read the Greek. You can understand <laughs> that the, the Greek is available to you and the different translations are available to you via uh, different uh, avenues, such as the Internet. Uh, different study sites such as studylight.org, blueletterbible.org. There's many other sites out there that you can go and research the original language. You don't have to be able to read the language in order to be able to study well, Yeah,
1: we'll, well, do a concordance on the word. I, I think you should for the word they use uses for risen there.
0: Sure, you can do that. And as you're doing that, let me just say this for people who don't know. Mark was a disciple of Peter. And Peter dictated basically the events to Mark because Mark wasn't there as Peter was. And the interesting thing is even if you take Mark as the only legitimate gospel and the other ones came after that and kind of copied it, what's interesting is in the first century church that they quote Peter and Paul, and which would be Luke's gospel, all of the time, and they never mention a disagreement between Paul's account and uh, Peter's account of what the resurrection was. So, I mean, that argument that you get from the Jesus Seminar really doesn't hold up. And uh, I really, what, you, I'm just being honest with you, man. You are, I wasn't
1: using the Jesus Seminars argument.
0: I'm just being honest with you. you. You guys can teach us so much, and I love it when we find things that we agree on, and it's, and it's like factual. So it's not just way out there in space. We can, we can actually work with it, and this right. is something we can work well, with. But I want to be honest with well, you. Well, how dude. about we, we try to have
1: a dialogue here? Without trying to prove each other wrong at any particular point.
0: Okay, well that wasn't the setup for the show. We can switch that, but let me just finish this. Don't but if, we're but we're if Dr. James right. White, I promise you this: if you honestly evaluate information, if Dr. James White and people in his field would debate the people you are mentioning, I promise you, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you would see the harmony within those texts. I promise. These men are misappropriating the information. I don't think they do it legit. I mean, uh, intentionally. But it is not evaluating all of the information because that well, argument. It's kind of just, a moot
1: point for me. I actually well, to understand, studies, but it's the Old Testament, really, and I think I can disprove the whole shebang using that. Would so you concede then, for Mark, you.
0: for for the sake of gentlemen that are having a discussion? Would you concede now, for Mark? Then that I answered your question adequately?
1: No, I don't think so. I don't think there's a resurrection in Mark.
0: Well, I just showed you that, that Jesus says the word resu- uh, risen from the dead, which, which is a resurrection. Risen,
1: to rise, a spiritual resurrection, not, not a spiritual um, rebirth, if you will. It's not a physically bodily resurrection.
0: The word, the word there is
1: policy and policy is like a mercantile exchange. You exchange one thing for another.
0: Okay then uh, let me gift you that word. Me, you're, making, you're, you're making it an argument that you can win, but uh, it still does not take away from what the context of risen means there. Risen-es- well, there is a context. Well, I'm actually
2: looking at the original word. Uh, I went and did a little research. That's not poly whatever you said it was. Uh, it's something else is this uh, cause to raise up, raise up from lying down, to raise up from the dead, to raise up, to cause to be born, to cause to appear, bring forward. So again, there are a few other uh, ways this word can be used, but one of them is distinctly to raise from the dead.
0: And that's what he put the word dead in there. So where do you get dead? How can where, this is not a spiritual rise. It's raising from the dead. And the next verse clarifies it. If you look at, uh, the verse 10 uh, he says, what does this mean then to raise, the, the disciples ask, what does it mean then to, to be raised from the dead? So uh, that's, that's, a resur- that's a resurrection reference. There's no way around that, my friend. And well, here's, again- the, here's, the
1: here's the way around it. The Jews at the time believed in a, what's called a general uh, resurrection of the dead, in which what they would do was uh, receive a spiritual body, not necessarily a physical one. And it really depends on which you want to, tradition you want to go on. Some evidence of the, some Jews didn't even believe in an afterlife. Uh, evidence of that is uh, you can just read when the is it the Sadducees? Yeah, who try to chick, trick Jesus and say, you know, I have a woman here who's uh, married to one guy, then she married another, married another. I mean, you know this verse, yeah, probably. Yeah. And he says, who's uh, who's whose husband will she be in heaven? And Jesus says, well, there are no marriages in heaven, obviously.
0: That's what he saying Okay, says, so he says in Mark 14, 28, but after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. So how in the world would that make sense? He's saying, but after I'm risen, I'm going to go before you. So he's talking about some apocalyptic... It's a
1: spiritual, ap- it's a spiritual resurrection.
0: Oh, my friend, come on. That's, you know what that's that's your um, that's your opinion, but that's not what's found in the text, and there's no that's Greek that what, can support uh, that's your opinion. A lo- there's a lot Actually, of people that would
2: I would call that an opinion. interpretation of the script scripture that tries to fit your particular that's worldview ice-gesis. about this particular. That's Well, it's not an exegesis. Uh, that's an
0: eisegesis. Bruce
1: Metzger, Bruce Bruce Metzger, that's his exegesis. Bruce Metzger and some of the guys from the Moody Bible College, that's that's what they consider it to be. Can, Those are People at Moody not.
0: College consider what? Say that again. I'm here in Chicago. Moody, Please Bible,
1: don't. Moody Bible Institute. You know.
0: Yes, I've been at Moody, and I've talked there, and I've talked to the professors there, and and they absolutely 100% disagree with what you're saying. So I'd like to know the name of the person at Moody that in believes Mark. that.
1: In Mark. That believes Metzger, what? I have his book. Well, he's dead now, actually.
0: Okay, but what <laughs> are you saying? Talk. See, you're changing. See, you're you're telling us one thing and then putting names on another thing. What what we're saying is no. I'm
1: talking about Mark
0: but the idea of there being no resurrection in Mark. Okay, well, the, the, the people that you are quoting that are saying that, are doing it, if they're, if they're fundamental Christians and you're using them, they are the same as a James White who doesn't say that he agrees with you that the Mark 16 account is not there, but he does agree that the other accounts are there in inference and in uh, Jesus' teachings. So to say well, it's one
1: thing, it's one thing to say one thing, it's, it's whether or not he comes back and does it, it's a whole other ballpark. If he didn't actually come back, <laughs> then that's, that, it kind of makes the whole point moot, doesn't this it? Is the
0: whole point, that is the point, in in and what, what, dude, where are you at, dude? Because that's why there's a Christian church, because he came back. That's why Peter and uh, Paul are never known no. to be at odds with each other in their theology of the why resurrection do, And any you of you the church fathers. there's
1: a church that necessitates, necessitates it happened? There was a church of myth. there was a church of Dionysus there was a church of Apollo. Do you think those things ever happen? Just because people would decide to worship one particular thing doesn't mean it was actually true.
2: Are those churches around today? Are, are those churches do those, those churches exist under persecution uh, uh, over 2000 years oh, They, they sure existed for a because long time people uh, again what it boils right down to, the reason we have the Christian church today is because it is built on truth. It is built on history. No, it is built, built on the fact on of God's word. And what you're creation, trying to do here is you're trying to turn around what the like Bible truly them. says. The Bible truly says that Jesus rose. It says so in Mark nine nine. It shows that the writer of Mark acknowledges uh, that there was a bodily resurrection of Christ back. from the dead. Yes, and in Mark well, 14, PJ, 28. It's, uh, it's about one fourteen here. I'm going to hit the hay. Okay. Uh, God bless you, Brother Rich. Brother PJ, you all have a great evening. Thank and you, May my God brother. God bless everyone. Thank bless you.
0: See you sir. Tuesday. Uh, Rich, going back to what we're saying there. Um, dude, if, if you, I'm not, listen to me. I'm not saying this disrespectfully. There are things that you are great at. You are better than me at reading original t- context. But I promise you, if you're the best, and Dr. James White is in a room here with you, he's going to name those documents, and he's going to show you beyond a shadow of a doubt that what you're saying cannot be true. You have a misinterpretation. Re- I have the link. Oh, nice
1: appeal to authority, but I don't care. If you just opinion. appeal
0: to authority. Uh, oh, my
1: God, dude, you just. No, I was using, hold on. I was using oh. Bruce Metzger. To show you that Christians agree with this particular thing. That's all.
0: And the you same, said it. I agree with Those it. People, I agree with it. were trying it. to
1: say that. Okay.
0: That's all. Rich, I love you, dude. You have a way with me, too, dude. I think uh, you and I are very similar. But, man, we're talking past each other. I, You, you just asked. You've asked so many questions. And, we, and uh, I feel like we've answered yours. But you haven't answered ours. And you keep backing out by okay, asking more which, questions. Which one, which
1: one do you want me to answer?
0: I started with the very first question when I put up this chart. Right here of the chart of the manuscripts, and you you made a first error by saying that there's twenty thousand of uh, the, these great ones were not of there. that time period, and I and I corrected you, and you, you there are twenty
1: thousand Greek manuscripts. I know, but
0: but I'm the I they're not this.
1: Alexandrian though.
0: Okay, let me finish. Right here, these five thousand are within the dates that I'm zooming up to see if you can zoom and see them. The first fragment. Is 50 years after the date. The next that's one is not 100 20, years. That's
1: manuscripts, that's 5,000. I know, you're misunderstanding me. I agree, I agree me. that there's 5,000.
0: Okay, I was saying what you were saying, dude. You were, you were trying to say at the beginning that these were from the Byzantine era, and I'm trying to show you again that they're not. I'm just reiterating the point, and the point is, these 5,000 manuscripts have everything I have here today.
1: They're fragments, most of those. They're no,
0: they make a complete uh the the complete new testament is uh is 136 AD dude the church Yeah
1: and they don't have a resurrection
0: in Mark My friend and I would agree with you there and that okay, the... that's the that's point No that's not the How are you saying that's the point My...
1: Then where did you get one from Someone had to add one Do you? What have did it? I get well, I
0: don't need Mark 16 Did someone
1: the... add it or not
0: Yes so yes. What
1: makes you think someone didn't add the stuff prior to that?
0: Because of the five thousand manuscripts, how are we missing that, Rich? How are you missing that tonight? And and of those, they don't
1: have a resurrection.
0: Hold on. In Mark. Don't tell me I deleted uh, the thing again. I think I might have. I think it just might be you and I talking now. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah closed
0: it. <laughs> oh, let me get back on here, dude. Stinky poo. I hate when I do that. See, when I zoom in, I, I click X instead of zoom out. That was my fault. Okay, put up here after show. Yeah, let's, um, if we can, I, I think we've made our points here for tonight on that subject. Let, can we just hang out? I'll, I'll take you up on that hey, offer. But, you want to do that?
1: tell me when this Frank uh, White guy, whatever his name is.
0: Dr. James White.
1: White. Yeah. yeah, have him come in, and I want to discuss some,
0: uh,
1: some of the Old Testament with him.
0: Uh, he's he's going to set up a. You're actually going to have a full-on debate with them. Uh, okay. Rook didn't tell you about this. No, that's fine. Okay. What, what basically what Rook agreed to and and uh, what he said what he was cool with was uh, what well, Sapien had said. It, it was you and Rook deba- debating Dr. James White on uh, the authenticity of Scripture and how to apply Scripture. Right. Because when Rook was was talking with uh, Ergen Kanner... Uh, James White got a hold of that show and uh, I could send you the link to the show as well and uh, Dr. James White did his show on it and and just basically ripped it apart and then I guess Rook got offended because he didn't get an invitation to defend himself so I kind of was a mediator because at the same time I was you know meeting you guys so I called mm-hmm. up, uh, I called them up and he wants to do it It's it, I just got to uh, wait for him to free up and hopefully it will be in this month of November that's what they told me and and uh, Oh, dude, you you guys are going to have a whole lot of fun, and uh, see see what you're saying. And I'll give you benefit of the doubt. Maybe you've studied it more, uh, and I'm basically repeating what I've heard. But maybe you have studied it more. That's great. But dude, I, I I not only will he debate you, he's debated the Jesus seminar, and I have those debates. If you want to listen to him, I, I could. And here's my question. Oh, I can't. Yeah, I can't see how. You could look at it differently because, I mean, this is not a faith issue to me. Like if you and I were both building, you know, a stage or something or just working out together and lifting weights, I mean, we would, wouldn't would we agree on stuff? I mean, if, if you and I were like working on my phone right here and, uh, you know. Yeah,
1: but you got to understand that these manuscripts were copied from each other for the most part. Many people were illiterate. And, you know, when Paul's letters especially were read to the different churches, usually one person in in that congregation could read. The rest would just, you know, some people would even be copyists. you know. They couldn't even really, weren't really scribes. They would just, that's why you have that scripto continua. You know, we don't have separation between the words oftentimes. And that's why I said read these letters to the congregation uh, because most of them couldn't, and then one guy would be the reader. And if someone wanted to copy it to preserve it in their, you know, their archive or pass it on to another another church, then they would do that. and They'd make copies and pass it on. Do you and think it some... would You know, you have things called like homotelian uh, uh, parablepsian skips, where you know you have eye skips, and you have all kinds of things like that that they left out in the manuscripts. So the manuscript tradition is very very flawed. Especially the early manuscripts, because they weren't professional scribes.
0: Are we Okay. Are you saying to this is the point where we got disconnected? I'm sorry, guys. I pushed it again. I keep uh, zooming in on this uh, slide so I can look at it while I'm talking to my friend. Probably I'm the only one looking at it, by the way. But I keep putting it up here because it helps me to just see it and try to put together what my friend Rich here is saying. Let me put it up here one more time. Zoom in. Okay. I'm going to repeat myself, I think, for the fifth time at least.
1: Can you give me a link to the room because I can't, I can't find it now?
0: Okay. Um, what do you you want?
1: Uh... Just give it to me in Skype. That way I can get into it quickly. Okay.
0: It's stickcam.com forward slash member forward slash yeah, what do you believe? Member forward slash. We should be friends, dude. i got to get you to be a friend here. Hmm. Basically, it's um, it's
1: what you believe. If you can err. Oh, what you believe? Okay. Yeah.
0: What do you believe? The the one word, no spaces. What do you believe?
1: Oh, I missed. Okay, I
0: got it. Okay, um, I'm gonna add you as a friend right here. Okay. Yeah, they keep getting there. They keep getting okay, there. hold on. Let me let me see. Maybe what the heck, dude? Can you um
1: like, okay. copy and paste the link into Skype into my thing, and then I can just click
0: on it? Yeah, it. I don't understand how I'm missing this here. It might it might be me. Maybe I'm not putting it telling you right. Are you on? You got to just, I'm talking, sorry, I'm talking to my wife. Nancy. are you back on? Just log back in, boo. Please. Are you married or have a family or anything, my brother? I do. I'm married. I have four boys, actually. Wonderful, man. How old are you? I'm I'm 30 and my wife's 25, so we're new at this, so.
1: I'm 31.
0: Okay. About the same. I, I, uh,
1: my, my background is, you know, I told you, I think I told you before.
0: No, you, I studied you
1: st- at the art department in NYU. You,
0: you know what? I didn't really hear a lot about your guys' background. Profile—that's the phony baloney. You got to put in profile, but the, maybe you said you did that. Okay, let's try this anyways.
1: No, I didn't. I didn't do profile.
0: So that was the problem. Here it is. Come on in, my friend. Wonderful. So, how long have you been married, dude? Uh, I've been with my wife since ninth grade. Nice oh ready. uh i'm cool so, yeah
1: 91 so it's 91
0: cool yeah it was my fault guys the room crashed my boo-boo i've been bad today i've been trying to use these slides and zoom in and zoom out and it makes it really hard and then i'm silly and i don't use it right so please forgive me we're waiting for rich to get back into the room and um as you can see we're having a cool talk man so there's uh You know, nothing wrong with all getting together and hanging out and doing this and rather do it with him here than behind his back. And sometimes we get so used to doing this as uh, Christian versus atheist or disagreeing with people that we don't do it face-to-face. And uh, to me, that can only help us. And as Rook was saying, are you willing to learn? Absolutely. Oh, dude, we are friends. Yeah, you, (laughs) is that Guillermo or is that you?
1: Yeah, that's not my name, so it wouldn't be me.
0: No I'm saying but that picture of you is that Guillermo. That picture of you in a robe looks like the guy Guillermo. Oh that's me. And what are you wearing? Like a little little thing there? What are you like a waiter outfit?
1: No, that's my Masonic regalia.
0: Are you a Mason? That's right. Seriously? Like you're a serious Mason? Yep. What what uh what ranking are you?
1: I am a junior warden, and historian and lecturer of my lodge.
0: Oh my gosh, dude, there is so much stuff, dude. If we, if I can get some Mason guys on here, would you be willing to talk about the Masonic lodge and masonry?
1: Yes, I've done a show. I did a one-hour show with Reggie Finley called "The Truth About Freemasonry."
0: Okay, we would love to have you on, my friend. Um, to do that. Yeah,
1: this is great because I'm actually a member of what's called a Continental Lodge. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I'm actually a member of the Grand Orient Lodge of France. Um, I was a former American Mason, but uh, if, as you know, you have to have a belief, a de- some kind of God belief, yeah. to be a Freemason in America. So I joined the French lodges since since 1980. Excuse me, since 1789, uh, they've accepted atheists as uh, as members. So naturally, I I was called a demit. I demitted to those lodges.
0: Cool. Well. Um, Let's end our show on this. Uh, we can get back to what we talked about. I mean if you want to say a closing statement on that we can. Uh, I I'll start off with my closing statement and then I'll let you close it out. Here's what I feel we had tonight. I feel that we have talked past each other and yet haven't recognized the simple truth of the matter of what tonight's show was about was is it accurate the Bible is the Bible accurate? And I believe as hard as that is for you to admit, you've had to admit it in roundabout ways. Because with those 5,000 manuscripts, what they show us is that within that is the Bible I hold today. And if you have any other disagreement than that, I would love to hear it one more time.
1: Other than. No, no yeah. I just like to make a, a final statement um, that this is the Bible you should be holding in your hand today. I agree. I not agree. the one that you do yeah um but i I think this dialogue is good i mean i don't you know I, I don't come in here to fight with you. I mean, if we can do some de- debating debating is one thing we can do that way without employing tricks and rhetoric i mean honest argumentation is what we should be working on here i mean if there's real problems, we should cover those and not try to get around it in circumlocutions or back talking or changing the subject or what have you. I agree with that. Uh, but i'd I'd like to keep an open dialogue here and I, I hope you welcome me back., oh, cool. and we can discuss we can discuss certain things about the the Bible
0: sure and and if you can go to twelve forty five I'm good. Um, can you hang out and just kind of like talk about each other's experience and and what we are? Sure, okay, um, you guys uh, well, I just want to talk well, I want to say you guys, but you have told me that you come from a Christian background. Uh, can you explain to me in, in a little bit, like, uh, what type of background you came from and what uh, brought sure. you to where you are today?
1: Sure. I started out as a Catholic, and uh, I go figure. Um, but I've always been zealous about anything I wanted to do. I started reading the Bible at nine. Uh, that's maybe one of, the, one of the things that drove me away from Catholicism, since I realized they had a heavy uh, – st- they don't use the Bible necessarily. They just kind of give you what it- – have the priest, you can't read the Bible for yourself in some places. You know, you're supposed to have it interpreted to you by the priest. So, anyways, I left Catholicism, became a born again evangelical when I was about 14. I was an evangelical for well, almost five years, I guess. I was almost um, I wanted to be a pastor. Go figure. Did a lot of reading. Did a lot of Bible study. I uh, found that I was, no one else really shared my zeal for studying the Bible. They just wanted to, you know, kind of cherry pick the Bible to suit their own uh, particular stances. So as I did that, I found lots of problems with it. Um, then left Christianity. It was hard to do. I had a lot of friends. I loved my Christian life, but I left it. And I thought I had to be honest to myself, and I almost became a Jew. I became what's called a Noahide, or uh, what's called a, um, a righteous Gentile. So, contrary to, to most belief, most Jews think that people who believe in God are going to heaven. This is after they evolved this whole heaven concept. But, uh, they believe you only have to follow seven laws. That's called the seven laws of Noah or the Noahide laws. Maybe you're familiar. But, mm. anyway, so I was a Noahide, wanted to convert to Judaism, so I started studying Torah or Hebrew with the Torah. And, um, had a great time there. Most of my friends now are Jewish and, uh, you know, I absorbed the traditions, the culture. And the more and more I, I studied Judaism, the more I realized that Christianity had no foundations in calling itself a Judaic, uh, really coming from proper Judaism. Um, it comes out of, in my, my opinion, a uh, watered-down version of Judaism that kind of flourished during the Hellenistic age uh, with Orphic tradition, but I won't go into that. Um, so I left that uh, as I started studying Torah, or Hebrew um, realize that there's even worse problems in the Old Testament, uh, with this God in the Old Testament. It's just a, he's just a schmuck, you know, he's a real, real mean, mean person. So I left that and I became a deist. If you notice, I held on to the ladder the whole way down. I didn't want to just get off the ladder, you know, I tried to hold on to some kind of faith. Became a deist, started reading D'Alembert, Diderot, Franklin, you know, Voltaire, all these men, Enlightenment fathers. And uh, the only thing that really kept me uh, a theist was first cause arguments, the kalam arguments. These, and the more I, I started reading up on those, the more I realized how how very, very pathetic they are. And they don't really hold up to any kind of scrutiny. Uh, so I, I'm back to my default position. I'm back when I was born, an atheist. Hmm
0: when you became a born again i mean uh, when you became an evangelical did you experience uh, a born again did you have a born again experience and do you understand what yes, i mean I by asking yes, that
1: yes i did okay. i did
0: so did, at that time Several times. okay at that time did you did you honestly believe that you were experiencing god i mean or
1: oh yes of course
0: okay so you, so how does how does somebody get convinced that that experience wasn't real so i mean how did you convince yourself that you were not uh, having experiences with God touching your spirit, your soul, an uh, incorporeal part of yourself that you knew was real? How, how did you come to the realization that you were basically deluded and, and, and self-deceived, if you, if you would call it that now?
1: Yeah, that's that's a great point. I mean, I think the biggest this is one of the biggest things that most Christians hang on to, and it's a personal attestation, a personal experience, you know. You don't understand. I feel God, you know, when I talk to someone. They say, I don't need to know whether or not God's real or not. I know he's real because I feel him, you know. And, I've, and I and I know what they mean. I mean, I, I've been there, and I've, I've had this feeling, you know, that God was there. When I really, if you do any kind of studying into neuroscience, and I'm not going to try to answer the question just a purely scientific one, but, there are phenomena. I mean, we we can, especially in these group settings, where the whole time someone's up there working on your senses, you know, and telling you all these great stories and telling you what you gotta believe, and what you gotta believe. You've seen these before. All these conversions at the end of the prayer, you know, they come down to the stage and be saved, and you don't hear from them again. But uh, but they were convinced that day at least. Why is it if it was really God working? That I saw it all the time when I was in church. Every Sunday we'd have people come to the to the. To the you know to the pulpit or whatever at the end of the service and all these people got saved and you know, they never show up again. And were they really experiencing God or were they just kind of uh, coerced in some uh, in that particular uh, environment? I mean, I don't know. It's, it's very difficult to answer. I mean, you hear the same thing with people who get into car wrecks and stuff. Your body has the ability to trigger certain emotions. Your mind's a powerful thing, and uh, you know you can self-delude yourself.
0: So you disbelieve it's it's self-delusion then. That's what you would call it. So you were deluded. Well, well, don't get me wrong.
1: Don't get me wrong. I think that we are – I'm not someone who's a complete uh, – you know, I believe people can have uh, spiritual experiences. I do. I mean, and that doesn't necessitate, necessitate that I think there's something called – a physical soul or something. I'm a musician. I'm a professional cellist. Uh, I get transcendent, and, you know, I, my meditation is playing music, you know. I can get all these kind of feelings that we associate with being a spiritual person or a soulful type of person. And, I, and those, I think those are genuine experiences. I think people who have these God experiences are genuine experiences, just that I don't think they're brought on by really God, but they're brought on by some kind of self uh, I don't want to call it a delusion, although, you know, that's, I guess, technically what it is, but that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. I mean, I think it's a good thing. We All of us need something like that in our lives.
0: Do you uh, do you hold to the tenets, if there is such a thing, for a rational response squad? Would you say, uh, A, are there tenets to agree to, and do you agree to them? And then, B, what do you think about their stance when they uh, say that they're saving mankind from the the, the delusion of God?
1: Well... You know, I'm a member of the Rational Response There's a lot of members of the Rational Response Squad. Um, each one of us on the squad has our own opinion. I mean, it's not like there's a mission statement per se that you have to follow or you can't be a member. I mean, each person brings different things to the table. Uh We just well, – the biggest thing is we're supportive of one another. You know, Whether or not – if we want to take a hard stance and say these people are just have some kind of – they should be locked up in a mind disorder, I don't think anybody necessarily uh, – uh, believes that in that kind of hard sense of the word. I mean, I think, in all honesty, there is some kind of delusion for the most part going on. But like I said a second ago, I don't know that all of that is a bad thing. Some of it Ooh. I think is a good thing for us to uh, release some kind of tension, stress, you know, psychosomatic uh, positive for it and all the other good things. But uh, for the most part, I agree uh, with with what they're doing. I think it's uh, it works, Maybe sometimes it seems crass to many people, but it gets the job done, you know, and the job is to get as many people finding out about this, this uh, particular other side of the argument as possible.
0: Yeah, because, uh, thank you. The reason why I'm asking you that question is because you do sound a lot different in the way you're describing it. that You see a positive in that, where um, in my talks with Sapient, I, I don't see that he sees a positive in that. And the lectures that I've heard from, um, from uh, Charles Dawkins, I don't see a God uh, – that that being a good thing at all in him so it's just yeah it is kind of neat that there are different opinions with that um i guess do you see where we're coming from when i say to you that i wasn't even looking for a god experience and yet i had one uh i was a god hater uh you probably don't know my story so can i share with you my story yes please okay uh thank you um I was born in a Christian family, and I was born into a church that they believed in God touching you, and and you would laugh in His presence, you would cry in His presence, He could could knock you down, you know, very experiential with God, you know, and uh, I believed it for a point, and then I didn't. And around fifth grade, uh, 11 years old, I hated it, and I began to turn from it, but yet I always felt this guilty conscience that I couldn't uh, live without it. And so when I would get to church on the weekends and different things and Wednesday youth group, I would come back to it. Or when there would be a Christian camp, I would go to it and, uh, and hang out. And I just remember this one Christian camp particularly. I was like 13. And I remember the pastor there saying, hey, you guys can smoke. And I was like so cool. I was like, man, I can smoke and believe in God, dude. And I actually met a girl there, and I made out with her. And I was like, man, this is great. And I just remember one of these Christian brothers walking up to me. He was like a youth leader there. And he's like, Dude, you're not getting this. You're missing the point. But that that's what it was for me. It was just a shallow thing and if I could have my cookie and eat it, if I could go to heaven and have a clear conscience and yet mess around, I, I kinda like that. And around the age of uh fifteen, sixteen I really became angry at God. I had a lot of reasons in my mind to hate God. Uh I, I didn't think the Bible made a lot of sense. I uh I felt that he was unfair. I, I felt that his, his imposing his will on me was unfair. And I went to a very agnostic, atheist view, but I was very much a God hater. Uh, I would argue with my mom. I ripped up my Bible in front of her. I hated God. Um, I would call up Christian evangelists on TV and cuss them out. I mooned abortion people that were picketing, that were part of the church I used to go to. I mooned them. I lost my virginity in a church parking lot, and I went to church tripping acid and high as often as my parents made me go. And if you can just imagine those experiences.
1: I bet. Is that where you had your personal experiences with God, by the way?
0: Absolutely not, dude. Those were just weird, by the way. You want to talk about uh, feeling you're being brainwashed. I felt, I mean, on acid was my worst trip in church. I mean, I just felt like this was the most gross feeling, this man telling me over and over again what I needed to do so i I followed that lifestyle, and um, it led me to dropping out of high school, selling drugs, having sex, doing that and I, get, I got to a point where I was experiencing anxiety attacks. I started getting into cocaine and different things, and I called up my mom and I said, "Can you send me to like a mental hospital just a, a rehab? I just wanted a rehabilitation and she said to me, "No, you don't need a rehab all you need, uh, you don't need a mental hospital, all you need is Jesus." And, dude, I cussed her out. I gave her everything I had, and she actually said, and will tell this to, to people who ask her that, she said, I was not going to call or talk to him for a while because of how, I mean, it was more worse than it had normally been. Cussed her out. And I called up some people, some uh, psychiatrists. I was talking to my friends, and they were trying to explain to me what anxiety attacks are. And, you know, they're saying, do you smoke, drink, or do drugs because that can help bring it on? And I'm like, I'm doing all three right now. (laughs) And so, I mean, obviously I had that reaction to it. But I went home to my mother, and I said, look, if you can help me now with God, I'll never doubt him again. But if you can't and God doesn't show up, then to hell with him, and he can go fly away with the Easter Bunny. And she told me the simple message that I heard for so many times. And she said, have faith the size of a muster. seed. So just believe. And I tried to argue with her. I said, what about Buddha? What about Muhammad? You know, I tried to have this whole argument that we were energy. And this is kind of what I believe. You return back to energy. And that's why religions can be somewhat successful because there's energy and collective power together, et etc. Cetera, et cetera. And she just said, just call on his name. Forget all that. You just say Jesus and believe he can do what he said he'll do. And dude, with, uh, within a few moments of me saying his name, I felt his presence. It broke me. It, it, it humbled me within moments. And within moments, not only did I feel a guilty feeling of my sin, I realized that a God actually was my friend and wanted was my God. And within moments, he brought me through my whole life, and it made sense to me that I had been running from him. And she just gave me a Bible and said, "Okay, well you feel him, go live from him." Well, I want to go back to live with the woman I was married to. This this girl. And I just thought I was going to do what I did when I was 16 or or 14 or 13, you know. And I went and looked at myself in the mirror, and I literally saw evil spirits, demons. And I broke down and started weeping. And I called my mom back up, and I said, I don't even know what to do. I'm seeing evil. And I just went home and laid on my couch in my living room and prayed. almost brings tears to my eyes thinking about it. And my parents just prayed for me, and I felt uh, literally evil leave my life. And Jesus come in, and the very next day I was tested with uh, temptation to smoke weed and things. I haven't drank, uh, smoked weed, Uh, I didn't have sex with the woman until I got married. So many of those things for 12 years. One of the things I held on to was cursing and smoking, but within a few weeks that was gone. And then immediately I had a passion to help people. I felt a passion for His Word. I began to feed the poor. Within a few months, I went to Bible college in New Orleans, got a two-year degree, and I began to work with uh, African Americans in the inner city of New Orleans. And from that point on, I have studied. I went to ten Mardi Gras. I've worked with the psychics down in Mardi Gras. I've worked with people in projects. I've seen kind of what you could say both um both sides of the of the coin of real super spiritual people trying to say, hey, you don't need Jesus to experience this. You can do it this way. And I've seen just the college-age professors. I've met with Ph.D. scientists, and I truthfully studied it because I am not in it for a game. But um, God truly changed my heart, and that's why I'm a Christian today, man. If you want to ask me some questions about that, you can. Sure.
1: What Joe, you know, good on you. I'm glad you you changed, and you know, you're doing great. You're doing good things. Um, I would just like to add that, um, you know, I'm an atheist. I do a lot of volunteer work. I have a site called Works Without Faith, where I chronicle all the people who do great, great humanitarian work out there without any belief in a god. Um, all these things, as great as they are, don't really give proof for God. I don't think that was your point. You're just giving your story, which is cool. I thought it was a good story. Um, all I would say is. I, you know, I have the same zeal, the same passion for humanity, and everything else. Uh, I just don't think I need a God to be that way. I can be a good person without God. I think I am a good person without God. Um, I think, I, honestly, now it's maybe my personal view. Um, I think I'm freer now, and I think I'm a better person than I ever was when I belonged to any religion. Have you ever told a lie? That my life. Uh, let me give you a reason. <laughs> I, I, I think my kidding. life is Sorry. My life is finite. I'm gonna die. Uh, you know there's no ego- t- there's no big ego in me that says I have to live forever or anything like that um so my mission now is to do as much as I can while i'm living in this life and leave on something for my children and you know, I live on through them you know i'll live on in their memories and um, I have you know the top the clock is ticking get to work, do something to be remembered for and not in a bad way, but be remembered maybe i can if I can do something that'll help humanity in, in an iota then it'll be worth it for me you know so you know, I feel that I'm connected to everything. I mean, I know you don't believe in, in uh, evolution, but yeah, you don't have to. Well, you don't accept evolution. Um, I mean, the fact that we're all connected, us and the trees and every piece of anything that's living, we're all symbiotic in a way. We're all, you know, come from the same common ancestor is, is inspiring to me. I often tell creationists this, or Christians this. The difference between Christians and atheists, or someone like me, is we're content with basking and living in the glory of the the creation that your god supposedly created you know this argument for argument say let's say he did it we would be content with this world you are the ones who aren't you need something extra and outside of this world to satisfy your needs
0: yeah and you know i just look at that so so different and um you know, I said I was going to go at 12.45, so I'm just, I just let you know it's 12.43. I'd like to stay on time because, man, I, I've stayed up on this thing till 4 in the morning. So, brother, please come back. We can uh, talk afterwards when we uh, discontinue sure. from the show. I'll put on a message or something. We can hang out um, because I just got to get things ready for tomorrow. Uh, dude, I am totally with you that you can do good things and appreciate life that way. Um, we we as Christians, however, and you, you know the theology of this, we just... Mm-hmm. Uh, we see that there's a higher reason for life. And if you're asking, uh, could I find satisfaction in this world like the way you do without God? Not from this point. Not, not from this point. And I don't want to question your Christian experience because I know many true Christians, like, like, like if you look at the Bible and just take it as a story, let's just say it is a story that was passed down ad- accurately. Judas didn't buy into this. You know, other people, the Jews didn't buy into this. So you can actually be right around Jesus, be hanging out with Jesus. You can have experiences with Jesus and still not see it the way he was talking about. And uh, I see it the way he talks about it. And uh, I do. you see what we deal with on the Christian site, dude? You see what these guys do? They put up people masturbating. Uh, and this is what we deal with it, man. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And I know you guys don't approve of that either. But, uh, no. So, man, in closing, dude, let's set up something. What, what do you feel like would be a good dialogue between us? I would, here's what I would like to do. I would like to have you guys uh, debate uh, in, in a collegiate style with uh, time back and forth. I, I think it would be great to have the, the banter at the end uh, going back and forth like how we have been. But I really would like to see the set time limits. With uh, Dr. James White, do you, do you give your okay to that? Can I count you in with Rook as the original plan? I mean, they didn't ask you, but I'm asking you now. Is yeah. that cool?
1: I don't pay anybody.
0: Okay, cool. And then uh, you and I can just hang out. Uh, next Thursday, I'm going to continue this on the Bible. If you want to come towards the end, after the lecture side, after we've kind of uh, encouraged our, our, our Christian brothers to come and join us, you can come in and represent the other side if you want, and any Thursday, uh, for that matter. Oh, actually, next Thursday... Yeah. Yeah. Next, so I, ha- I have a I have
1: a presentation I do on uh, on Ugarit, which I'd like to give I'd like to do for you one time if What's you want to set that up. Huh? What is that? Uh, it's a town. It's called Ras Shamra. Now, it's a town fi- and uh, was discovered in 1928 that had a library of 350 cuneiform tablets, and it attests to the god Yahweh in El. Prior to the biblical tradition, and it says some quite contrary things. Can I just? And I think it'd be interesting for you to hear.
0: Yeah. Can I just? Can I? Can I help you understand where we come from with that? I was trying to explain this to Rook, but with the situation with with Rook doing, um, with what he was saying, I was saying was making me sound like I wasn't reading it, and I'm just commenting on it without reading it. Okay, that's not what I'm doing right here. I will read it if you if you want, if you will read. Uh, a book. That is called um, Eternity in Their Hearts, which is a man studying these religious faiths. And by the way, what part of the uh, world was that in? Where did where, they find that at? Where were these people from?
1: It would be ancient
0: Canaan, because Syria. That actually might even be in here. I would love to uh, to see. Uh, and what's it called again? Let me write that down because I want to see if that's in here as well. What, what's the name of that? You, can you put it as text? Do it. I'm sorry, dude. Can you just put it as text? And then I want to answer that real quick, and I do have to go. Um what do you do for a living, my friend? What is uh, your occupation?
1: You right. Well, I have several. Um, I'm a historian, as you know. But uh, I got into business. After I got my, my uh, undergrad in history, I, went into, I got an MBA. So I run a business. I actually, am, I told you, I was a musician. Mm-hmm. I'm a cellist playing the symphony here, and I own a violin shop.
0: Nice.
1: So um, I'm probably going to be moving here in the next year or so as I uh, look for a place to do postgraduate work. And uh, whoever college I decide on will be where I decide to move.
0: Is that a master, postgraduate, or are you talking about your doctorate? Doctorate, yeah. Oh, so you already have your master's. That's right. Yeah, uh, you emailed me, because, excuse me, I emailed you, one of the original guys I talked, uh, you were one of my original that I went through to get a debate set up, right? I'm going to check my messages. I'm pretty sure that's you. Oh, was that you? you? I remember that. Yeah, you remember that, because they they wouldn't debate me at first? Yeah, Yeah, I got you right here. Yep. Okay, anywho, um, well, uh, think of this from where we're coming from. Work within the construct of the Bible, and and if it doesn't hold up, then let that be so. But uh, let's at least give the credit within the construct to work within it to answer itself. Uh, As if I was reading The Lord of the Rings, and you asked me, what happened to Gandalf the Grey? How did he become Gandalf the White? Of course, we don't believe any of this happened. But we would say he had an encounter with a being, and so we would work within that construct. And so well, the, well, the yes in my presentation I
1: use the Bible I don't I don't use the yogurt necessarily
0: well, well, that's not um, I my, the...
1: that
0: wasn't my point you're missing my point can I finish and, and, and oh, by sorry the, yeah, and by the way if I don't know how often you give lectures and this is something that I was speaking with uh, a rational response squad about. See we in the Christian field, we give long lectures, and, and many of our people are used to lectures, and uh, sometimes they can be boring, by the way. Uh, you know I'm sure you know that. But when we talk, that's how we talk. you know so you we've got to kind of be patient with each other, but I'm a talker, and I don't want to be unfair. I will always give as much or more time than I talk. But for me as a speaker, when I'm interrupted when I try to make a point, I can get going in those areas, but I'm really like to be focused. and so my point with that. Having said that, my point was, working within the construct of the Bible, do I believe that people worshiped God or knew of God and interacted with God either in right or wrong ways before Abraham, according to these revealed names? Absolutely, 100%, because... Otherwise, no one up until Abraham was even worshiping God. And then, you know, like Noah, he lives for God one man. Then, you know, after the flood, no one got it again until Abraham. And that's not the way we view the Bible. And that's not the way this man is viewing the Bible. He's actually being very gracious, in, in how God is speaking to people through the uh, the Aztecs, uh, through these uh, uh, the, the Chinese, uh, the, the history of the the Chinese emperor uh, empire. Uh, you know, and so we understand that, brother. We, see, this is a whole other thing of linguistics and studying uh, etymology. We understand that uh, Hammurabi's code existed before Moses. We understand that uh, circumcision and baptism and uh, sacrifice. But you understand within the construct, that does not contradict what we're saying because in the construct, we say Adam had an encounter with God and passed that on then Noah has an encounter with God and passes on. Just because the Bible doesn't say Gary is over here doing something for God doesn't mean Gary's not there. A perfect example is when Abraham gets into the, the worship of Elohim and El, he finds out that there's this guy called Melchizedek who's El, he's a, a priest of El Elyon which is a total pagan representation of God. And I think that might even be one of those Canaanite names. I don't remember where that name came from, but it wasn't, you know, Hebrew wasn't even a language to them yet. So, I mean, do you understand within our construct, we explain that very simply saying, Melchizedek had to hear from somebody. Well, who did he hear from? Now, if there's people doing it right, there's also people doing it wrong. So, I, I would love to hear about that, but I would like to hear, I think from this point with you and I... Um, I, I have to work within my parameters, and uh, my parameters will be on the show. And then, uh, yeah, El Elyon. And if we can find the root of uh, the etymology of that, I mean, it, of I, course. I know.
1: El Elyon is the most high in English.
0: Yeah, but so anytime
1: you're in English Bible, you read the most high, yeah. you're actually reading a name of a different God named El Elyon.
0: I totally understand that. See, we, underst- see we understand that. Like I t- See, because you say another God, but it's a name for God. See, when you say another no, god, no, 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 you're no, saying no. it's a god that was worshipped by a different group of people in a different way, right? No,
1: like, here's a t- it, Well, it's, it's attested to in Ugarit. It's actually a, okay. a, a henotheistic pantheon.
0: Okay, well then, do you, then what you are saying I have studied, and I forgot the name... Or forgot this subject. You know how it is when we study. We forget a lot of what we study. I was looking, anyway. was looking the other day for a subject, and I had to answer a person's question. And when I got to my book, it was already highlighted with notes on the side. And I'm like, I've already been here before. Anyways, uh, are you, you're not understanding what we're saying. There, uh, see, the atheist builds this construct. That's the only way. I can, you want me put the definition of construct up there? You You build a box. That you're saying, if God was God, he would only operate in this, God, this box. But that is called a conundrum. That is based no, 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 on con- no, conjecture.
1: See, what I'm, I'm saying, saying to you
0: is, if God was God, how would he call himself God to Abraham? How would he call himself God to Melchizedek? If God was God at that time, is he going to make up another word and another language and go, well, I'm bravling bl- with that, l- that l- argument.
1: See, Yahweh is a son of El in Ugarit. In, El- in Ugarit, Yahweh is just one of the seven sons of El Yan
0: you i love secular opinion he says i don't get it the problem is you don't get it my friend neither does rich and rich i'm trying to say this to you please uh, you know uh, hear what i'm saying you're not hearing. you're not uh, you're not I am re- you, but you're not repeating back to me what i'm saying you're not saying what i'm saying it's totally wrong from what i'm saying what i am saying is when god created adam and eve adam and eve began to do their thing religious forms of worship if the human race came from adam and eve guess what oral tradition that they're going to uphold in different cultures the stories that they got from adam and eve now did adam and eve ever hear name the name of god if they walked with him every day they probably did 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 they have an idea of what he was like they walked with him okay so that's the first character we meet then guess what you hear about noah he had a relationship with God. How do you think he called God? He's using language of that time. Now watch. There's people who do it wrong. These people right. make up false religions. So if you may read you a Bible verse? My friend, uh I'll tell you what. Just I, one. Just I'm, one, I'm verse, going, one verse. I'm going to one o'clock Deut- now. Deuteronomy thirty two, eight. I'm going really to one o'clock to you for you. And then oh, I have you. to go, okay? Okay, but you haven't understood what I've I'm not just said. stand on it. But and uh, let me just, just to say, show you what I'm talking about. Before you read this verse, let me just say this. You have not even said what I've said. We have secular opinion, not even paying attention. I should probably put up the definition for construct, conjecture and conundrum up there because he has no idea what I'm talking, I know what about. You're talking about.
1: You I may know, know what, you're what
0: I'm talking about. about.
1: But you don't know what I'm about to talk about, Joe.
0: No, no, I'm, no, I'm saying show that. You that what I'm, what no, no, I'm no, no you don't confuse what I'm what trying, trying to say about. here. I'm trying to say you don't know what I'm talking about. You don't understand the answer to your question. It is the most simplest understanding to that question. And if you would listen to it and put apply it to the construct of the Bible, like as if you were reading Lord of the Rings, whether you believed it was divine or not, if you just used common sense, you could put the application directly into this question. It is so simple. Read your scripture, and I'll answer you. You're using your
1: precepts, you're using precepts,
0: go ahead and give your scripture, and then this is it. Okay.
1: Deuteronomy 32.8. Okay. Especially if you read the Septuagint and the Dead Sea material. It says, When Elion gave to the nations their inheritance, he separated the sons of men. He fixed the bounds of the people according to the number of the sons of El. Or sons of God. For Yahweh's portion is his people Jacob, his allotted inheritance. In this verse, this god Elyon is partitioning the world and giving pieces of real estate to his sons. And Yahweh gets a little small piece of real estate, and that is the people of Jacob. Deuteronomy 32, eight.
0: My friend... You uh, did you ever take a contextual critic class, whether in a Bible college or not? Have you ever taken a class in it? Of course. Of course. Okay. Well, yeah. brother, did you pass the class? Did you? I'm being honest with you. I'm just asking you. I'm not trying to insult you. I'm just being honest. Did you pass yeah. the class? Of course. Okay. Well, then, uh, I'm not trying to be insulting. You have just uh, took this as far out of its context as it possibly. When the really? most see because what you're reading into this is a presupposition that this God can't be this. Well, this God can't be this. Well, I admit of my presuppositions. I'll lay them on the table right now. You, you keep hiding your presuppositions, and then you put them out when you feel comfortable. It's
1: your religion. I'm just showing okay, you your you, religion. Okay, but you know what? Atheism is, is a religion too, moral. and it
0: blinds you just as, sim- as much as you say I'm blind. Saying
1: it's- that atheism is a religion is the same as saying not playing soccer is a sport.
0: Okay, well, it is a religion because of the definition of a religion. You have a set set of morals and beliefs uh, attaining to God, or the belief of morals attaining to life. So pertaining to life, you have a religion by definition of. You know, I know. Put, okay, yes, you do. But anyways, when the Most High divided the nations and in their inheritance, who's the Most High there?
1: You're proposing. El Elyon. Okay. You're proposing,
0: I okay, just you. the you're proposed, is dude. You're proposing that El Elyon is different than the Lord. I will show you a hundred scriptures where El Elyon yeah, is, is the different. Lord. It's different. It's different wording because eventually, you don't well, understand I'm what I'm. No, what you know? What you're done? Yes, I do understand. Do listen to me, my, eventually, friend. Eventually, my friend. Eventually, Eventually, I've given you the Yahweh opportunity.
1: Does get, get, get he does No, you don't the, even, brother. Later,
0: brother. I've given you the opportunity. I've asked you to stay on the show till one o'clock. It's twelve fifty-eight. Oh, I'm going to close out this, and let us get back and debate this at another time. I will All answer right. your question. And you can hear the answer and believe it or not. But I'm going to give the answer to the question, okay? I'm going to give you this answer. Whether you believe it or not, someone here is going to hear it, and they're going to believe and apply it to their life. The names of God refer to the same God. There are names of God in the Old Testament that pagans used and worshipped in wrong ways. But this God continues to reveal himself to people Through the languages they speak. He uses names and attributes that they had applied to false gods and or to him falsely. A great example would be the story of the unknown God with Paul upon the Mars Hill in Athens. They called him the unknown God. Paul says, I know who he is. The second reference to that would be when Melchizedek blessed him it is in the name of El Elyon and then right after that it is Lord both words referring to the identical same person and I'm going to give the scripture reference so that you can uh, so that everyone listening can see that El Elyon and Jehovah are both awesome names being used to describe the same God the same Jehovah's not in the bible the same person and i can you Jehovah's can you really brother will you do word. me if, i don't want to mute you now but i'm just in asking God you way. i'm i'm letting you know that i will mute you now cuz it's my show i hate to say that to you this tone in this way but brother i'm going to end in peace and i'm going to end with us having the last word if you're not okay with that i understand if that is disrespectful to you i apologize But this is how we end our show, okay? And here is the scripture reference. And the king of Sodom said unto Abraham, Give me the persons and take goods to thyself. And Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand unto the Lord, the Most High God. Jehovah is the El Elyon. That's the end of tonight's show. If you guys want to come on back, this is what we believe. We want to know what you believe. You're always welcome to come here with your opinions. We had a wonderful discussion tonight. We love you guys. I'm going to sign on off. Come on back Tuesday for the Bible study or come back uh, Thursday for a debate. Rich, I'm going to call you right back, okay? Thank you, man.